Former FCC Chairman Newton Minow called the media a vast wasteland. Well, I submit it's far, far more than that. It's a battlefield for your mind. Mortar fire, cannon fire, grenades full of lies. And we're taking the losses. It's time for a night in this savage land. That used to be called a paladin. A defender of the good and honest against the onslaught. Well, we're TNN. The Truth News Network. And your paladin against the barrage is Dan Newman. Well, paladin Dan didn't make any of those allegations. That was Pete Moss. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Uh, yeah, I do agree. Our media is a vast, uh, I don't even want to say anything nice. It's a place where truth goes to die in our mass media. Hey, You're not supposed to be on the negative side of things. You're supposed to be the glasses half full guy, right? Well, I am. But in the middle of all of that, facts matter. Truth matters. And we're not hearing a bunch of that in our mainstream media. I mean, just look at the Israeli-Palestinian debacle that we're still in the middle of. I don't think we're even in sight of it ending. I believe it's going to get even uglier than it is now. What do I base that on? Opinion. And I'm telling you, it's my opinion. I don't have facts that prove otherwise. But we Americans, we're getting away from the foundation of what our country was based upon, what our country was created in its strict form of government to be. Now, what is that? It's to be always has been. I don't know that it's there right now, but government of the people, by the people, and for the people. That's the beginning and the ending of what our forefathers determined our government was going to be. It wasn't going to be the backwards way it was in Europe at that time when they fled to get out of that. But guess what? It is that, almost to the T of what they left in Northern Europe. Who would ever think when you were young that we would ever see things like this going on? Folks, today in our show, we're going to reveal some jaw-dropping stuff about what this president, Joe Biden, has been doing, is doing behind the scenes where nobody knows. Well, somebody knows. We know that. Joe Biden can't do anything on his own. He's even now gotten to where he can't even read his own teleprompter without messing up. He can't pronounce names. He can't walk up on a stage or walk off a stage without messing up where he's supposed to go, and he has no clue where he's been. But in the middle of all of that, somehow, this president is making some decisions, at least his signatures involved, about and with some things that will blow your mind. Much, much more going on. We're waiting for what will probably be the final release of under this current ceasefire agreement between Hamas and Israel. Today's probably will be the final release of hostages, and we don't know the details of who they are, but there are a bunch of other people that were taken hostage 
and we don't know anything about them. In fact, I think it's uncanny every day in the middle of this uh, ceasefire hostage deal that Hamas cut with Israel. I think it's uncanny that those who negotiated the deal didn't get a list of who were being held. There's reasons for that, and I fear the reasons are Hamas feels like if they find out everybody that they have been holding as hostage leaves out a bunch of people that most of us thought were in the hostage group, but they're dead. Wow, it is horrible to have to think about stuff like this. But you know what? Reality is just that. It's reality. And sometimes bad things, often, as a matter of fact, oftentimes bad things happen to good people. Now, I can say that, you say, because I don't have any family members that are involved in this. No, it's a fact. We don't have answers for everything. Every time anything goes bad, we don't necessarily know why. Sometimes we do, but often we don't. And the opposite of that is actually true. But we've got to find a place where we can just not ride the waves when the waves are real calm, but also ride the waves of life when they get really, really tall and you can't see what's on the other side. That's called faith. If you are living a life right now and you don't trust, you don't believe anything, you're in a bad spot and you need to find a way to get out of that because the end result very seldom is good. Truth is far more important than what we think because with truth, we can make good choices and decisions. And there are some absolutes on both sides of that. We talk about it here all the time. We choose which way we want to go with our thinking and what we are voluntarily choosing to be our life path. What kind of stuff are we going to live in? What kind of stuff are we going to reject? And what kind of stuff are we going to walk away from? Finding the good in all of that makes life a whole lot easier. And if you're stuck somewhere in that, There's hope. Yeah, there's hope. Look ahead, don't look back. Got a rainbow in front of you. In fact, it's on top of you if you feel that way. Bluebirds fly And 
what's behind us, what's in front of us, how are we going to live as we head forward. All of those are choices, choices, and we control the choices we make. Now, sometimes when you control what you think and you think positive all the time or most of the time, things are going to end up being mostly good. So why is the opposite of that directly also true? If your glass is always half full and it's never a good thing, and you gripe, or even if you don't voice your opinions, negative opinions, you're still griping inside. We make a choice. Is your glass half full or half empty? Is everything going to be good, or if it's not always good, it's going to work out? At least that's what you believe. Getting to the finish of whatever is before you that looks like it's not going to be good but you choose to walk right through it and keep your head held high. On the other side of it, it's good, which is what you thought all along. Instead of wasting your time and energy fretting about things that you have no control of anyway, my gosh, isn't that the best way to look at it? I don't like to be fearful. I don't like to be worried. 
I don't like to have negative things in front of me, but I'm one of these kind of people. My life, I'm sure just like yours, my life, we've had ups and downs. Even before there was a we there, before Marianne and I got married 48 years ago, when it was just me living my life, I had some ups and downs, and it was pretty regular then. And I was young, and I was learning, but thankfully I had somebody in my life that spoke some of the stuff I've just shared with you into my life, and I made choices to believe my glass is going to be, it is today, it's going to be tomorrow, half full. Even if the opposite of that is true, that if your glass is half full, that means it's half empty. But I concentrate on the half full part, hoping, praying, and believing that it's not just going to be half full. It's going to be between full and half full, and that's the worst it's going to be. I don't even want to think about being half empty. I'm not going down that road. I don't need that. Life as it rolls my way and I live through it, it's tough enough as it is. I don't need to bring on any more negative things or even think about them. Why? That seems kind of stupid. You're, you're, you're being unrealistic, Dan. Well, no. If it's bad, it's going to show up. If it's not bad, that's going to show up too. So why worry about it when things that you have no control of start showing up? It's going to happen. It is really going to happen. Well, there's a lot of news. We've got some Donald Trump news. We have a bunch of really bad news regarding our president, stuff going on in his life, in our administration that he heads, and also in his family. We're going to wade into all of that, and it begins with Laura Ingram's opening statement last night on her show. It resonated with me, and I thought it would resonate with all of us because it's chock full of facts. Here's Laura Ingram. Biden's remade America. That's the focus of tonight's angle. All right, everyone, you can't say they didn't warn us. There will not be another foot of wall constructed on my administration. Those who come seeking asylum, we should immediately have the capacity to absorb them, keep them safe until they can be heard. Should someone who is here without documents, and that is his only offense, should that person be deported? That person should not be the focus of deportation. We see what's happening to almost every corner of America. The Biden administration is working hard and as fast as they can to change the United States, and they're going to try to do it before the next election. Left-wing mayors claim that they're upset by all this, too many migrants, and maybe they are upset, but they're in on it, too. They're enablers. Listen to Chicago's Mayor Brandon Johnson. He almost sounds proud. City government is maintaining our efforts to welcome and resettle asylum seekers here in Chicago, and we are making progress. In partnership with the state, we have successfully helped over 10,000 new arrivals to resettle in the area and reunite with family and friends in various places. Meanwhile, the migrants keep coming and coming and coming. Until recently, many were camped out in Chicago police stations, but most of those have been removed, and now many of those are living outside. 
Now, right now, it's 20 degrees in Chicago. But the real feel is just, yeah, nine. The entire situation, courtesy of Joe Biden, is a travesty. And at some point, thousands, by the way, in Chicago are supposed to be relocated to an area that is yet to be constructed that's going to hold semi-permanent tent shelters. Yeah. But local reports reveal there is confusion and significant opposition to this massive migrant project. And all of this and more explains why Johnson has a 28% approval rating. And when they're not stealing tax dollars for the city services they get, some of the migrants are spending their free time stealing. Yeah. And then there's New York, where winter's right around the corner, and so are the lines of migrants trying to get into city shelters. We continue to receive anywhere from 2,000 to almost 3,000 migrant asylum seekers a week. Uh, That is a continuous number that is just not sustainable. We stated it over and over again. Here's a message for New York. Stop marching for Hamas and start marching for actual border enforcement. Contrary to reports, the November 20th incident was promptly addressed and brought under control through the leadership of the principal, school staff, school safety agents, and the NYPD. The teacher was not in direct danger. We have taken disciplinary action against some of the students. And across the country, in what was once beautiful San Diego, you should have sent, seen this place in 1990, by the way, when I lived there. They're dealing with a huge influx of migrants, 300 living at the San Diego airport alone. How is this even allowed? And others are just loitering. The number of migrants is simply breathtaking. The San Diego sector alone has received more than 230,000 people this year. That's a 30% increase from the year before. Now, taxpayers are fed up, especially those who live along the border and immigrants themselves who came the right way. Taxpayers in Denver are seeing their schools overrun and overwhelmed by migrant students without any English language skills, including many illiterate in their native language. But now let's move to the heinous migrant crisis in Arizona. To say that border agents in the Tucson sector are stunned and overwhelmed is a wild understatement. They apprehended 58,000 in four weeks alone. It's so bad that the Border Patrol there tried to keep the public in the dark. They announced that they were pausing all Tucson sector Border Patrol social media accounts to deal with the surge. Fox News did a big piece about it. Now, think about that. I think it's time for the public to actually hear from federal officials to explain how they're going to stop the madness, but you don't want the Border Patrol people to get the word out. All we get is a tweet with a very, very bad summary of what's happening. Here's what happened just in the last week. 15,300 apprehensions, 117 pounds of fentanyl. How many will be, could be killed with that? 78 federal criminal cases, 17 rescues, 14 human smuggling events, and three narcotics events, whatever those are. Now, wait a second. Why don't we ever hear from our DHS secretary? Why doesn't he speak about any of this? Well, because he's too busy lying. 
The answer is quite clear, and that is to fix a system that everyone agrees is fundamentally broken, and we need congressional action. For the 12 million people who are here in the United States who have been contributing so fundamentally to our country's well-being, they're our neighbors, our friends, our fellow congregants, uh, they provide our, our frontline workers. Oh, yeah, like the migrant teen who was accused of brutally murdering a homeless man in New York just recently. Yeah, they're contributing. But it's all necessary collateral damage for the White House to get to their big goal, which is creating an America that won't know our history, where our kids are going to be taught to hate the history and also to learn that they're just victims of oppression in a society run by people with white privilege. Unfortunately, that's what the migrants are going to be taught if they're going to public school. So this is Biden's America. And if you're as horrified as I am in watching all of this, do everything you can to defeat the people in charge right now so we can actually save this country. Isn't it interesting? You have somebody like Laura Ingram. I have no idea if she's Republican, Democrat, Independent, or whatever. But people in her position, and I'm not talking about members of a single political party. I'm talking about Americans, those of us who have been here for a few years. We've seen travesties come and travesties go. We've seen good government. We've seen bad government. But we live through it and we learn. And somebody like Laura Ingram, at the end of that, and her glass, at least listening or watching her, and I have, not exhaustively, but I tune in every once in a while to watch her show. I like her talking points at the beginning of her show where she usually synopsizes the good and the bad that's currently going on just so that people like you and me can get facts on which we make decisions. At the end of that, she advised all of us, all of us, not Republicans, not Democrats, not independents, she advised all of us to get rid of those that are in office, the people that told us and took an oath of office to protect us first. They're not doing that. And she basically told us it would be insane for any of us to hope for something better, but we continue to put the people in positions that have put us in the problem environment we find ourselves in today. She basically said, get rid of them and get something better. Now, I'm going to give you some information as we go through this show today. I hope we get through all of the important parts. And that was important for you to hear. Coming up in a little bit, Tucker Carlson is going to do something. You're going to hear him do something I've not heard him do. He's going to advise all of us to make some plans, to make some plans. Now, what the devil could that possibly be? You'll hear that maybe in our second half hour. But I'm going to tell you something right now you're not hearing anywhere else, nowhere else. Listen to this. Here's what our president has done unilaterally. He has told all of those college tuition borrowers, you remember this charade for election purposes? I'm going to cancel all of these students' government debt. 
Nobody deserves to go to college and have to pay for what they did, the choices they made. Uncle Sam's going to take care of it. Listen to what he did. He told 813,000 more Americans that he has wiped their student loan debt. This went out yesterday. Meaning the president has forgiven a total of $127 billion for 3.5 million borrowers. How could he do this? Let's continue. The former students are soon going to get an email from Joe notifying them that their debt has been forgiven. Uh, And he's writing this. Maybe he forgot, but something's kind of important in the air about this. That's the fact that his plan to cancel $400 billion in student debt was rejected by the U.S. Supreme Court back in June. Now, before I move on with the information and details of this, put what I just gave you in the context of what Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, all of the left-wing pundits have said for, I don't know, since 2015. What happened in 2015? What important happened in 2015? Donald Trump announced his presidency bid. Remember that? All of these powerful, knowledgeable people, the ones I named and a bunch of other ones, they begin to damn anybody that would even think about putting Donald Trump in office because he would destroy our democracy. He would destroy our economy. All of those things. Nancy Pelosi, if I heard her say it once, I heard her say it a hundred times. Nobody's above the law. Donald Trump will destroy the rule of law in our democracy. He wants to be a dictator. Donald Trump never did anything like Joe Biden has done. Donald Trump never, when someone took a case, ran it through the federal system, judicially it gets all the way up to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court rules on it one way that Donald Trump disagreed with, He never went against what the court said was illegal to do. Yet Joe Biden, this Supreme Court ruling was back in June. It's not like he didn't know about it. This email that Joe's going to send, we hear, makes clear that the help has come from Joe Biden. And here's the sentence that announces it in his letter. Congratulations, Your student loan has been forgiven because of actions my administration took to make sure you receive the relief you earned and deserve. Notice anything about what this could possibly be about? We have an election looming 11 months from now. And Joe and his fellow Democrat hardcore sycophants, people that hate regular Americans, they look at you and me. Well, I'm assuming you're a regular American. I know I am. They look at us as nothing more than a vote. And if we're not going to vote for them, you be damned. 
They don't care. A White House spokesman yesterday afternoon said this, the president is committed to fighting for hardworking American families, making sure we get them a little more breathing room and allowing them to support themselves and their families. I am sick and tired of hearing that crap coming out of this White House. They don't give a rip about us. They don't care about middle-class Americans. If you look at Bidenomics, look at what it's done for you, then answer this question. Is your life better today than it was four years ago? If you're honest, you're going to say no. Maybe not even no. Maybe something like, hell no, it isn't. At the beginning of October, Biden canceled $9 billion in student loan debt, giving relief to 125,000 borrowers. Now, you do the math. $9 billion. 125,000. You divide 125,000 into 9 billion. You know what? I've got an iPhone right here and it's got a calculator. So let me see if I can get it to go up to the numbers that we're talking about. So 9 billion. 9. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. That's 9 million. 9 billion divided by 125,000. That's $72,000 for each of these 125 borrowers. It's not a bad deal. Would you agree? The move came as borrowers prepare now for payments to restart after a three-year pause that began during the COVID pandemic, a pause. But Uncle Joe is turning into God Joe. We don't care about that evil Supreme Court. No, we don't trust them. We're going to ignore the law again and ignore the ruling of the highest judiciary entity in the world, the U.S. Supreme Court, and what they say can be done legally. And I'm just going to violate the law. I'm going to violate the U.S. Supreme Court. And I'm going to spend another $9 billion. Actually, it's more than that. The total overall will be $400 billion. Americans who are saddled with unsustainable debt in exchange for a college degree, has become the norm, Biden said. Who made those people borrow that money? Who's responsible for that decision they made? Would be a mom, a dad, the person themselves? Well, you borrowed money. And just to point something out, when you borrowed this money, you didn't borrow it from the U.S. government. The U.S. government didn't have a dog in the hunt. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The federal government has all that debt now. Yeah, guess why? Uncle Joe, Barack Obama, forced the banks around the United States to turn over all that college debt to the federal government. Don't they do things so much better than people do in the private sector? 
Those private sector people, they don't know what they're doing. I'm Joe Biden. I know what's right. And that is not what the Supreme Court has adjudicated. Screw the law. We don't care about the law. I'm Joe Biden. And he went on and on and on and on. My administration will continue to use every tool at our disposal to help ease the burden of student debt so more Americans can be free to achieve their dreams. It's good for our economy. It's good for our country. And it's going to change their lives, he said. Now, by the way, that pandemic pause in student loan payments resumed on October 1st. In June, the Supreme Court canceled Biden's student loan forgiveness program. Just said, not, nah, can't do it. That one promised up to 20 grand in debt relief for low and middle income borrowers. The administration has continued to find other ways to provide debt relief. Bet you didn't know about this. Joe, he promised he was going to go find some other ways to get rid of the debt. He's been relying on a patchwork of different programs to chip away at debt, like public service loan forgiveness and the SAVE plan, which lowers payments by tying them to borrower's income. Meanwhile, earlier this... Oh, and by the way, here's the blistering part to me. Who is constitutionally tied and has the exclusive power to spend Americans' tax dollars? It's not Joe Biden. It wasn't Barack Obama. It wasn't Donald Trump. It's the United States Congress, our elected representatives. All revenue items, pieces of legislation, the law, you know that thing that we've got to every once in a while deal with, belongs to the U.S. Congress. Those are the people we chose to send to Washington, D.C. to represent us and stuff like this. The Government Accountability Office, GAO, exposed a shortcoming or two in Biden's student loan forgiveness plan, which has since been squashed by the Supreme Court, saying it opened the door to fraud. Oh, my gosh, fraud in our government? Fraud in our government? Who would ever allow that to happen? (laughs) Merrick Garland You tell him about this, uh, he's the attorney general in case you forgot. You tell him about the student loan program and there's fraud in it. What does he say? Uh, what's a student loan program? What's that all about? The GAO said this, we found that education quickly approved borrowers for debt relief without applying key practices to prevent fraud. For example, it didn't verify certain borrowers' self-reported income before approving them for a loan. In addition, it said that the department approved over 12 million borrower applicants without evaluating the accuracy and the outcomes of its application process. Two million students were set to be automatically approved based on their self-reported income with no Education department deploying any tools to verify these borrowers' incomes or to ensure they were even eligible. Now, what are our brain surgeons in Congress saying about this? 
quote, members of Congress were quick to jump on the report and criticize Biden and Education Secretary Miguel Cardona. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of sick and tired of our lawmakers, our members of Congress who are supposed to be the ones that have oversight of our government, every branch. They're the ones that do all the money stuff. And they were quick to jump on the report and criticize Biden and Education Secretary Miguel Cardona. (laughs) Do you think that's bad? (laughs) Folks, regarding this show today, you have just scratched the surface. Budweiser presents the world's first star in your own radio commercial. Okay, guys, whenever you hear this sound, insert your name. Hi there. Your name. Sorry I'm late. Sometimes there just aren't enough hours in the day to be a neurosurgeon and a swimwear model. Oh, am I thirsty. How about it? Your name. Got anything tall and cool? Oh, Budweiser long necks, though. Your name. You are so thoughtful. But of course, Bud's the first choice for every occasion. Ah, you know I have a confession to make. If I ever had a son, I'd want to name him. Your name. Oh. Your name. Come here. Now. Your name. Your name. Your name. Well, you did very well in your first commercial. Have a Bud. You've earned it. Your name. Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Raid Shadow Legends. I mean, <laughs> you pick your champions. They're glorious. And their shields, oh, they glisten like uh, wet otters. But the bad guys, they're Lovecraftian. They're spooky. They're um, um, big. And then you go to battle. And it's like, then finally your foe is vanquished. And that satisfaction is such a primal feeling. Ooh, Download Raid Shadow Legends. Play for free. Welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order? Hi, can I get a... Uh... Can I get a... Okay, get in the McDonald's. Ooh, Ooh. can I get a... Uh, can I get a... Yeah, can uh, I get a... Uh... 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 Go, Bubba, go! Uh... Bubba, go! Uh... Pick me! No, pick me! Hey, can I get a... Uh... 10-piece chicken McNuggets. And what sauce would you like with that? Uh... In the clown car of the deep state, you will never find a greater den of scum and villainy. You need a hero. Here again, blaster in hand, is Dan Newman. So all the evil in government today, it's not secluded to just dollars and cents. has to do with the way the law is handled or not being handled either way. And I think you know what I'm talking about. It starts at the top. Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, our Attorney General, and those special counsels that he brings in at appropriate times, supposedly when we have something that is just outside the bounds of normal everyday jurisprudence in our court system. You know, like when Donald Trump comes around. Listen to this one. This is coming 
indirectly from the White House. We all know all this prosecution, all these suits and everything filed against Donald Trump are purposely done at this time, the way they're being done, for one thing, to keep him from even running to repeat as the inhabitant of the White House for four years. And then the DOJ names this guy, Jack Smith, special counsel who has a, it's not even speckled past. He is horrible at doing the legal things and going outside the boundaries and taking unilateral control of things that he does when he is appointed to go after somebody. So do you think he got the gig because of that? Maybe just a little bit because of that? Listen to this one. Every account, social media account, every one of them, that the owner of that account liked or retweeted former President Donald Trump's post on social media, especially Twitter, everyone who did that was a target of the Biden Justice Department. Jack Smith has been taking the list of all these people and they're marking those people. I guess basically saying, you know, I've got a little black book and I'm going to put your name in that little black book. Among several documents that were released by the DOJ on Monday of this week was a search warrant that special counsel Jack Smith ordered to investigate the former president's Twitter account. Inside those pages of the document was that Twitter users who interacted within President Donald Trump's account also had their data investigated. Information about tweets, his search history, notably even the users who followed, liked, or retweeted Trump before his Twitter account was suspended. And that happened, as we all know, the January 6, 2021 Capitol riot that instigated all this social media crap against Trump. All of those people were part of a sweeping search warrant. Elon Musk, who bought the social media platform, renamed it to X, reinstated Trump's account last year. This document that was released on Monday is heavily redacted. That's the way they hide most of their um, illegal, questionable activities when they're subpoenaed for documents. They just redact them so nobody can know what's in there. And they say it. That's for the purpose of national security. Eight of the 14 pages related to the search warrant, eight of the 14 are completely redacted. The wide-ranging areas covered in that search warrant raised an alarm on Twitter slash X where journalists, pundits, and others reacted to the fact that even those who liked or shared Trump's tweets were targeted. I haven't looked back at my Twitter account, but I guarantee you when Donald Trump did something good and tweeted something that I thought was good for the American people, I liked it. So that means I'm <laughs> I'm in the search queue <laughs> for Jack Smith. As part of, of his war on Donald Trump, Jack Smith collected info 
on any American who retweeted or favorited Trump tweets. This is such a dystopic nightmare as is the way it calmly accepted by so many in the country. That's Molly Hemingway. In the pages that aren't obscured, redacted, there are demands by Smith for information on virtually every conceivable aspect of the 77-year-old former president's Twitter account, including all advertising information and ad topic preferences, all IP addresses associated with the account, Trump's privacy and account settings, records of the account's communications with Twitter support, and all direct messages sent and received by the account from October 2020 to January 2021. The government also sought information on users who interacted with Trump leading up to the riot. Also released on Monday was the DOJ's legal response to Twitter attempting to notify Trump about the search warrant at the time, which had been issued to the social media platform with a non-disclosure order. So reactions on X, I probably don't need to say that. (laughs) but I'm going to. The reactions were swift and even scorching at times. Here's a few of them. It's illegal to be a Republican. You'll be surveilled if you are. What will it take for people to wake up? Why was Jack Smith allowed to collect info on Americans who retweeted or favorited Trump tweets? Here's another. That makes me a target for DOJ now. This is unbelievable. Talk about communist tyranny. A third. I interacted then, and I still do. So, Jack Smith, here's one name you don't need to ask for, and you can kiss my assets. That's from Larry D. Jones, Jr. I wonder if that's really his name. (laughs) Somebody tweeted this. I love this. The first word of the tweet. May, that's in quotation marks, may have been? Of course we were targeted. They went after all of us through censorship of the Hunter Biden laptop story. They also went after specific conservative users who had large followings. It's pure tyranny. And Republicans in Congress aren't doing squat about it. One user named David Brubaker said, the justice system has become the enemy of justice. And the final one I'll share, we are all Donald Trump now. You can bet your bippy that all of this crap, and I wanted to say the S word instead of the C word there, Every bit of it is coming straight from the White House. Merrick Garland is absolutely the worst cabinet officer in American history. How in the heck was he even considered to be a United States Supreme Court justice when Barack Obama appointed him or nominated him to go into that empty seat? How could that possibly happen? Merrick Garland is little more than an empty suit. And yes, 
I, by saying that on this show, probably got in Jack Smith's black book. I don't give a care. Look, this is not, this is not Joe Biden's country. This is not Barack Obama's country. It's not Donald Trump's country. None of those people have any more rights in this nation than do you and I. Remember that. That is so important for every American, especially leading up in 11 months to another national election. We've got to get these hardcore leftists that are nothing less than borderline communist totalitarianists. We've got to get these people out of government. And I'll probably get blacklisted for saying that. That's a threat. Dan Newman, TNN Live, threatens anybody that's a Democrat in office. I'm not saying that at all. I still believe there is hope in our election system. I still do, because the opposite of believing that is so is to recognize and accept the fact as being okay. We are in a totalitarian country and we are governed by totalitarianists. I reject that summarily. I'm never going to believe that. You want some more Biden crap this morning? He really stirred up a hornet's nest yesterday. He suggested that Israel is, because they attacked Hamas, giving Hamas exactly what it wants. Hamas unleashed a terrorist attack because they fear nothing more than Israelis and Palestinians living side by side in peace to continue down the path of terror, violence, killing, and war is to give Hamas what they seek. We can't do that. That supposedly came in a tweet from Joe Biden You and I both know he didn't write it. And he continued, look, Hamas unleashed a terrorist attack, yada, yada, yada. Same old thing. Note that he posted the tweet in the middle of an ongoing ceasefire between Israel and Hamas, one that Hamas, not Israel, has repeatedly violated again and again and again. The Jerusalem Post wrote this, Israeli forces in the northern Gaza Strip were targeted by three explosive devices in two separate incidents on Tuesday afternoon, all in violation of the ceasefire agreements between Israel and Hamas. Have you heard anything coming out of Joe getting on Hamas for breaking the ceasefire agreement? Not a peep. That story from the Post continued with this, Additionally, shots were fired at Israeli forces in one of the incidents. Several soldiers were lightly wounded in the attacks. IDF, Israeli Defense Force soldiers, responded by firing at the sources of gunfire. The IDF has stayed within the agreed-upon lines of the ceasefire. That's according to the IDF spokesperson's unit that is monitoring the actions of Israeli military members during this. 
Over the last hour, this is coming from the IDF, over the last hour, three explosive devices were detonated adjacent to IDF troops in two different locations in northern Gaza, violating the framework of the operational pause. Considering that it's Hamas that started this whole mess, slaughtered 1,200 Israelis in the dark of night, October 7th, dragging people out of their beds, taking them hostage, wearing pajamas, kids, women, men, old men, old women, babies. And our president is jumping on Israel? Hamas now refuses to abide by the ceasefire deal. It's dedicated to Israel's elimination. A number of pro-Israel critics responded to the president's tweet by chiding him. How long did it take your social media team to think of this one, Joe? Palestinians voted for Hamas. Did you know that? Next time, I'm not going to ask you to do this. I'm going to make a suggestion. If you have chutzpah and you're not afraid to speak up, the next time you hear somebody cry for a two-state solution, Palestinians want a two-state solution. They want a country, a land of their own where they don't have to deal with anybody else trying to butt into their business. That's exactly what Israel did in 2005. All those quote-unquote peaceful Palestinians through the years, they demanded that we, Israel, would go back to the borders that were put together and agreed to in 1949 after World War II, where the Palestinians could have their own real estate, their own place. 2005, Israel did just that. You know what their original place was? Gaza, the Gaza Strip. Gave it to them. All Israelis pulled out of that area. Israel wasn't involved government-wise, law enforcement. They were treating and were expected to be treated like they were foreigners and they could go through whatever process is necessary if they wanted to go into Gaza. The Palestinian people owned that land. It was theirs for all time. That was part of the border from 1949. And what does a self-surviving standalone country do if it's supposedly democratic? Have an election. Well, guess what? Gaza had an election. And guess who won the election? Hamas. Well, the Hamas entity didn't. But the leaders of Hamas were the ones that were voted into office by those so-called Palestinians in Gaza. They got what they asked for, and they gave it away. Two years later, they gave it to Hamas. That tweet again. How long did it take your social media team to think of this one, Joe? Palestinians voted for Hamas. That critic pointed out that the majority of Palestinians appear to support Hamas. And what is Hamas singularly demanding? 
every Israeli, every Jew be eliminated, not just from Israel, not just from the western banks of the Jordan River, all the way over to the Mediterranean and Gaza. They want every Jew on the planet eliminated. Real Defender, at Real Defender, tweeted this. The only way this ends is for Israel to obliterate Hamas. Okay, that's Joe on the Middle East. I've got one more Joeism and then we're going to get on with other business. The Biden administration has outpaced other recent presidents in issuing very big and significant regulations. Regulations place a financial burden on who? The taxpayers. Well, wait a minute. These regulations are to keep us safe, to take care of us. You know, we've got to protect our climate. We've got to do these things. We've got to get rid of combustion engines of all kinds. We've got to go to EVs. There's actually a little bit of humor that's coming up in the show today. I won't go there now, but it has to do with this. But you're going to like to hear about this. Under Joe Biden, the federal government completed 89 economically significant rules last year defined as those with at least $100 million of economic impact, which is higher than any point in the Bush, Obama, and Trump administrations when deregulation is accounted for. Regulations as a whole resulted in $1.939 trillion in added costs for the average American last year alone. $1.939 $1.939 trillion in one year. That exceeds every form of tax except income tax, which it rivals. Income tax receipts in 2022, $2.263 trillion. There have been no large-scale tax hikes, but the hidden tax of regulation has proved appealing to who? Lawmakers. Mandates like family leave, child care, job training initiatives could involve either increased observable government spending or new regulation on business. Just as consumers wind up sheltering much of the corporate income tax, the regulatory compliance costs and mandates that are borne by businesses are going to keep percolating throughout the economy layer after layer deep, sneaking their way into consumer prices. I've said this over and over and over again. Corporations don't pay taxes. Governments don't pay taxes. They don't. Any of that passes down to the people that pay for everything, the American taxpayer. Overall, for 2022, the Biden administration instituted 3,168 new rules Uh, less than the 4,429 that were instituted in 2021, but far greater than the 2,964 rules that were added in 2019 during the Trump administration. By the way, that was the lowest count since records began in the 70s under Donald Trump. 
of those rules, 256 of them in Biden's second year, were significant regulations. 386 were in his first year. And they're not through. Listen, the Biden administration has already bragging about their plans to implement 3,690 more regulations between now and Election Day next year. Those are already in the pipeline of being created, which is slightly less than the 3,777 plan rules back in 2021. In Trump's final year in office, he had 3,852 rules in the pipeline, but over 600 of those were considered deregulatory, not regulatory. In other words, he was cutting government egregious regulations that cost us all, as we said trillions. Despite the high number of rules in 2022, Congress enacted 247 new laws the same year. That puts the ratio at 13 rules per new law for each year, which is lower than the average ratio of 22 rules over the past 10 years. A lower ratio indicates the administrative state was responsible for fewer rules, and instead it was through the power of legislators, where all this is supposed to be created and implemented, not at the White House. The Biden administration has put in place and proposed a number of environmental regulations that will ultimately increase average Americans' home expenses by $9,166 in new cost each year. The costs stem from a number of new rules and proposals, every one of them aimed at reducing carbon emissions from household appliances like gas furnaces, water heaters, and more. If you had enough Joe-isms, this is all just one day's work. Oh my gosh, there are hundreds and thousands of others. And because... Our media doesn't give a rip about what you or I think. And because they're in the tank for any Democrat in Congress or in the White House, they don't tell us any of these things. Or if they mention them, it's only by putting a good, positive face on each of them. Hey, right after this break, I'm going to come along with that funny thing, that truthful funny thing I told you about. Talking with you, not at you. Intelligent Conversation. TNN, the Truth News Network. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342, 529-8342. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive Yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an infinity. 
Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. We don't tell you what to think, but we give you truth to think about. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. TruthNewsNet.org. So why don't we talk about some of the uh, nut jobs out there. People who believe that climate change and they believe the narrative, they're all part of a cult. Think about it. All cults exist to give the cult leaders power. All cults control their subjects through things like fear, censorship, shame, shunning, and even intolerance. Therefore, cult members become stupid and ignorant as they avoid critical thinking and they embrace the narrative rather than demanding and looking for the truth. Those of us Americans who embrace critical thinking got to supply the information necessary to share with others to refute the insanity of this climate change cult. And the media, by the way, are all in the cult. Let's talk about the specific assertions of the climate change cult. This one in particular. Methane gas is a greenhouse gas and should be eliminated. How many times have you heard that? Over and over. Remember AOC when she got elected up there and she created her Green New Deal. She blamed everything on car, excuse me, cow farts. Methane gas, right? You remember that? Everybody laughed. They believe this stuff. Never mind that they, the cult, don't know anything about methane or the atmosphere, but fact And truth never get in the way of ignorance, of zealotry, and activism, especially when it comes to controlling the people. So let's look a little bit and find some truth about this, okay? Since the media no longer exists in our modern world, we've got to share what we know, learn from each other. Listen to this and share what is presented with everyone that is willing to listen to the truth. Let's start with what we've all been told by the climate cultists. Humans are terrible for the earth. Why? Because their very existence destroys the planet. Specifically, we are now told that cows must be destroyed because their flatulence, that's the long word for farts, contain methane. How do we know that? Bill Gates says so. Across the ocean, the Netherlands is confiscating farmland. The Irish are killing their cows. We're commanded to stop eating meat and dairy and instead consume bugs. 
The World Economic Forum agrees with that. So too does every satanic idiot on the planet. Where do we start? Oh boy, where does one start when the regime literally lies about literally everything? Let's look at a few, and I'll number them. One, 90% of cattle gas comes from belching and not farting. The climate cult can't tell the truth about anything. It gets in the way of their satanic, totalitarian, controlled lust. Number two, methane is a greenhouse gas. However, it is only a trace gas in our atmosphere. So again, for all the morons who want to get rid of carbon dioxide, CO2, but they have no idea how much carbon is in the atmosphere, how much carbon should be in the atmosphere, but are absolutely sure it's got to be removed. The Earth's atmosphere is composed of the following. You want some facts? Listen. 78% nitrogen, 21% oxygen, Less than 1% is argon and a few other trace gases like methane. That is a fact. That is science. So I looked it up. I'll be more specific. To be exact, methane accounts for 0.00017% of our atmosphere. And I don't know how many zeros you can come up with, but that means there ain't much in there. That 17 one-hundred thousandths of 1%. Now, you and I both know how much methane is in the atmosphere. Actual science is a cult buster. Let's talk about methane. That's the one, their default position. We got to get rid of that and carbon. Well, methane is not like CO2. Methane is released into the atmosphere, and when it's there, it oxidizes, and it becomes CO2 and water vapor. It takes between 10 and 12 years for methane to break down, while CO2 stays in the atmosphere up to 1,000 years. Yes, methane is a much more potent greenhouse gas than CO2, but the two cannot be analyzed as having the same effect because methane's short time in the atmosphere. Fourth, the climate cultists have attacked cows. They want them destroyed because too much methane causes global warming. These cultists also claim methane levels have been rising in part because of cow flatulence. I saw Satan Bill Gates tell an audience, and he lied when he told them this, that methane is 26% of greenhouse gases, and agriculture contributes 21% to the polluting gases. Now, I just gave you the information, the science about methane in the atmosphere, but the agriculture lie is twice agriculture's real contribution. So, Agriculture and cows are both being demonized so the demonic elitists that want to control us badly can control the food supply. And cattle are only about a quarter of agriculture's contribution. You following all that? 
Don't try to keep up with it. I'll tell you where you can go get it already put all together. Number five, since methane breaks down over a 10-year period, we got to view methane as a cyclical gas. In the atmosphere, methane turns into CO2 and water vapor, as I told you. The carbon and water get absorbed by plant life. That's how plants get their power to expand and grow through CO2, that evil CO2, right? And then animals eat the plants. Methane is produced in the digestion and excretion process. The methane rises, then starts the decomposition process all over again. Therefore, the cattle population would need to continuously increase in order to continuously increase the methane in the atmosphere. Here's a question for you I bet you nobody can answer. This is number six. How many cows are there today and which countries have the most? So let's just take a page from the USDA. They estimate there are currently some 1.1 billion, that's billion with a B, cattle on the planet. Who's got the most? India, Brazil, China, and the U.S. Collectively are home to 60% or more of the overall cattle population. The U.S. has slightly less than 100 million cattle. India has 300 million head of cattle. Number seven, since we know that methane is cyclical and decomposes over a 10-year time frame, cattle can only add to the methane if their numbers are going up. So if we currently have 1.1 billion cattle on the planet, how many cattle do we have, say, 50 years ago? Well, once again, facts coming in here, according to the USDA, the planet was home to about 1 billion cattle in 1975. Each year, of course, the count changes a bit. In fact, the last 50 years, the cattle population in the U.S., has vacillated around that same number, one million count. Therefore, the same holds true for the world cattle population. The number of cattle on the planet has not changed in at least 50 years. So how can cattle be responsible for the quote-unquote increase in methane? Number eight, there's only one spot in the world that has a facility that scientifically studies cattle flatulent along with methane. It's at UC Davis in California. Note that the climate cultists pay little attention to actual science as this is the only facility on the planet in the world that studies cattle flatulent. The professor who heads research offers that cattle diets can be augmented to include things like chemicals, are nutrients that effectively work to lower methane in their digestive tract. Farmers are already on the plan. So science says we don't need to kill all the cattle. We can adjust the diet if we are so concerned about methane gas. Number nine, one of the largest contributors to methane gas emissions are wetlands. This is a normal process designed by God. That's another subject, so we'll stay with cattle for now. 
Number 10, if the climate cultists want to reduce cattle herds, what are the chances that India and Brazil are going to cut back their cattle population? Those two countries alone account for almost half of all the cows on earth. Is it any wonder that India and Brazil have joined the BRICS economy? Number 11, the largest contributor to the Earth's atmosphere's greenhouse gases is dihydrogen monoxide. Dihydrogen monoxide. This compound is responsible for about half of the greenhouse planetary effect. Surely we humans should get busy and eliminate this compound as quickly as possible. Yep, we're talking about water vapor. God already has this stuff figured out, folks. We humans are really not that important to the overall health of the earth. Twelve, God stocked the earth with everything humans need to survive. He gave us air to breathe, gas and oil to burn, and cows to eat. If we all give up combustion cars and meat, the earth won't even notice. God will undoubtedly shake his head in disgust. Number 13, remember that serial criminal, pedophile, and racist, O'Biden? He tried pandering to black farmers last year. You remember this? We covered it on this show. He thought, I got to help these people, these black people. How'd he offer to help? To pay black farmers 120% of their farm loans. Now, he's out there trumpeting to kill all the cattle. <laughs> Does this pathetic serial criminal, pedophile, racist, Satanist, Joe Biden, excuse me, O'Biden, doesn't he understand that half of the black farmers in the U.S. are cattle farmers? Oh, my gosh. Yet another statistic readers should know. So let's wrap this up. Clearly, the science behind cow gas and climate change because of methane expulsion, it shows that cattle are not a problem for our environment. Only climate change, satanic cultists like O'Biden, Kerry, Schwab, Gates, and others push this nonsense to control the masses through what? Fear. Fear is the primary weapon of those who seek to enslave us all. Ignorance is their secondary weapon. Truth is, the antidote to fear. We tell you that all the time here at Truth News Network. Truth is the antidote to fear. Knowledge, by the way, is the antidote to ignorance. Read articles. Find out. Look at articles on the subject. Educate yourself. Educate everybody you know. Every single person who mentions climate change should be confronted with the facts laid out in this thing that I just gave to you. Otherwise, we will definitely be enslaved as we enjoy a bug sandwich, courtesy of Satan Gates. Now, why do I say Bill Gates? Well, he has investments in the fake meat universe. It's all lies, folks, all fueled by lies. What I just gave to you is the front page story 
as of 1.45 a.m. this morning at truthnewsnet.org. Truthnewsnet.org. Title of it is Truth Destroys Cattle Flatulence, Methane Gas, and Climate Change. And the picture at the top of the story, I thought this was classic. It's three dairy cows that are standing on two feet. And they're all three wearing one of those sandwich boards. The first one says, stop the Green New Deal. The second one says, support the right of cows to fart. (laughs) And the third one says, my fart, my choice. Well, (laughs) that's one of the biggest food sources on earth is telling us that stop the Green New Deal, support the rights of cows to fart, my fart, my choice. I agree with them. <laughs> Mr. Rippermoff? Yes, Dorothy? A reporter and crew from New Center 7 Wastebusters are here to see you, sir. New Center 7? Wastebusters. They expose mind-boggling waste of taxpayers' money right here in the Miami Valley. What do they want with me? They said you sold the government a ballpoint pen, sir. So? For $1,000. Well, it came with refills. And a jar of paper clips for $2,000. They were multicolored paper clips. Uh-huh. Red ones, blue ones. What should I tell the Wastebusters, sir? Do they have lights and cameras? And the ballpoint pen, sir. Tell them I went out my window down the fire escape and then book down the street screaming like a madman. I don't think they'll believe that, sir. Mr. Rippemoff? Watch News Center 7 expose government waste right here in the Miami Valley and see the Waste Busters in action. You can't escape them, sir! They're the Waste Busters! News Center 7 Waste Busters. Weeknights at 6. Coverage you can count on. They'll find him. For over 75 years, people have saved money with... Oh, with Geico. Sorry. Here we go, from the top, and action. For over 75 years, people have saved money with Gecko, so... Cut it. What? What did I say? Gecko. I said Gecko. Oh. For over 75 years... (laughs) Keep it together. I'm good, I'm good. For over 75... (laughs) What are you doing there? Stop making me laugh. Gecko. Saving people money for over 75 years. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's. The new home of craftsmen. You're fighting back the tsunami of ignorance with Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. Something I've been waiting on to get some accurate numbers on the effects of the Supreme Court ruling about abortion that happened last June. Now we have some numbers. Listen to these. In the first half of this year, 2023, roughly 32,000 babies were born in states that implemented abortion restrictions after the U.S. Supreme Court overturn of Roe v. Wade last June. That's a 2.3% increase increase in the numbers of babies. That's in those six states. 
Sounds good, doesn't it? In the first six months of 2023, births rose by 2.3% in states of uh, enforcing total abortion bans. That leads to an estimated 32,000 births that might have otherwise been aborted. Now, that's again, according to the first edition of a report that's monitoring this. These effects may vary across demographic groups and tend to be larger for younger women and women of color. Very substantially across banned states with much larger effects observed in states that are bordered by other banned states and hence have long travel distances to reach places that remain open to give abortions. It's November 23, effects of the Dobbs decision on fertility report states that the Supreme Court decision sparked the most profound transformation of the landscape of abortion access in 50 years. We provide the first estimates of the effects of this decision on fertility using a pre-registered synthetic difference in differences design applied to newly released provisional natality data for the first half of 2023. This report is based on provisional data for the first six months of this year. If future research using finalized data and additional policy variation reveals continued substantial effects on births, then we expect long-lasting and profound effects on the lives of affected pregnant people and their families including effects on educational investment, employment, earnings, and financial security. As of November 1st, this month, 14 states are enforcing bans on abortion in nearly all circumstances because roughly 23% of American women seeking an abortion experience an increase in driving distance to the nearest abortion facility. That goes from 43 miles before Dobbs to 330 miles after Dobbs. The driving distance represents the most profound transformation of the landscape of U.S. abortion access in 50 years. There's another study out done by researchers from Johns Hopkins School of Public Health. Nearly as many babies are believed to have been born in Texas alone since its new heartbeat bill went into effect September 1 of 2021. Within eight months of the new law going into effect, there were nearly 9,800 live births in Texas from April to December of this past year, according to Johns Hopkins. If the rate is consistent through November of this year of an additional 1,225 live births a month, the number of babies born in Texas that otherwise might have been aborted is closer to 30 2,000 since September 1. I thought you'd want to hear these stats because you're probably like me. Every once in a while when abortion conversations come up, it's good to know the change of Roe v. Wade. And just remember this. The Supreme Court did not ban abortion. What it did was what should have been done many years ago was return to the states, you know, the direct representatives of the citizens across this nation. Different ideals, different thoughts, different cultures, but states 
or where government begins and put the whether we're going to have abortion or not decisions into the hands of the legislators who represent the people in each one of our 50 states. That's where it should have been all along. And of course, the Supreme Court agrees with me. Maybe I'm agreeing with them. I don't know. We haven't said very much today about Donald Trump, his trial, what's going on in his life. His attorney came forward and uh, talked about what's happening in this court case in New York State. And the more I dig into it, the more I find out and understand, and the more I hear from Alina Haba, his attorney in this matter, I realize right now, living in New York, you don't have much uh, much opportunity when it comes to being investigated and tried and you get the benefit of being innocent unless and until you're proven guilty. If the government in New York State, the political foes or opponents of a person in New York State, if you get caught up in their sights, you're in deep trouble. Elena Haba detailed, gave us full information about it. In Donald Trump's ongoing, highly politicized so-called fraud trial in New York City, a Deutsche Bank executive gave testimony today that could bolster Donald Trump's defense in his $250 million civil fraud trial. Donald Trump is due back in court, I believe it's December 11th. I know who knows the answer to this. Let's welcome legal spokeswoman for Donald Trump and general counsel for Save America, Alina Haba. Great to see you, Alina. Thank you. I, I've shown you this before off camera, but I want to read to you the legal definition of fraud, which is what your client is accused of. It says, as, as usually applied under state laws, the term fraud or dishonesty encompasses such matters as larceny, theft, embezzlement, forgery, misappropriation, wrongful abstraction, wrongful converse, conversion, willful misapplication, or any other fraudulent or dishonest acts, and these last four words are key, resulting in financial loss. Uh, where was the financial loss in the case that's being brought against your client? Uh, New Yorkers that are paying Miss James to bring this witch hunt against <laughs> Donald Trump. That's the answer for you, David. It's absurd. The president made people money. The Trump Organization has paid hundreds of millions of dollars in taxes of payroll taxes, employs thousands of employees. His statement of financial condition was undervalued. And today we had multiple Deutsche Bank witnesses testify that it did didn't matter. His value was so high that even if you cut it in half, he still would have been fine. And the Deutsche Bank still would have had him in ultra net worth group. And he still would have gotten the same loan terms. We asked for a directed verdict from this judge. We said, judge, just stop. What does that mean? Sure. Directed verdict means there is no need to proceed to waste taxpayer dollars on this witch hunt because we have proven the case. There was no fraud. The banks made money. The president is worth a lot more than his statements of financial condition. Have any has has any bank suggested that they lost money? because of their dealings with Donald Trump. Every bank has made money. There has never been a default. And when there were holidays, the Trump Organization paid early before the holidays to make sure there was never issues. Now, Letitia James, the attorney general, brought the case, says, claims that there was probable loss because of the fact that the banks could have made more money on interest, on charging a greater interest, to which you say what? 
to which I say they all got paid early. They got paid with interest and early ahead of the loans. There were step downs. There were personal guarantees. And the assets were worth more than the financial condition. It doesn't make sense. New Yorkers should be afraid. Ms. James is putting her nose into private contracts where there were absolutely no victims, where there people, everybody on both sides of the contract kept their word, kept their deal, and made money. And she now wants to, because she ran on Trump, and because this is, again, the political election interference that we're seeing across the country right now stop him. Well, all Americans should be concerned about the way this has been. First of all, the, the judge decided that he was guilty before the trial. That's right. Secondly, uh, not only was he, was there a gag order against him, but it won against you as well. The last time I saw you in air, you couldn't talk about a lot of this. Yeah. You won that case. Yes, we had it stayed, and now we're appealing that. And I got to tell you, the appellate division was great. They saw it for what it was. It's a constitutional First Amendment right. It's a Sixth Amendment right to counsel. I could not make objections based on a law clerk who was making campaign contributions, cheering on Letitia James on video and the anti-Trump rallies, and I wasn't allowed to speak about it in court or out of court. Now, it seems that the judge in the case, again, he, he, he came out with his guilty verdict before the trial began. He is a, a political judge. He's been elected. He's a Democrat. We know that. But he was particularly interested in you keeping that information about his clerk secret. Why? Yes. Yes. According to him, there were threats. Well, I'd like him to meet the world that we are in right now. And the reason there are threats and the reason there is polarization of anybody who takes political stances is because that is what the Biden administration, that is what we live in right now, wokeness and polarization. And that's exactly what President Trump wants to get rid of. When you see what happened with this law clerk, there is no place for that when you go to, to a, into, a, into a judge, into a clerk's office. They are supposed to be arbiters that follow the judicial ethics conduct rules. They did not follow them. There are canons. They were broken. And everyone is ignoring it. The judge would not even read our mistrial papers. He wouldn't even address them. He said, I won't sign the order because then I could appeal it. That is how corrupt we're dealing well, with. Well, now you're free to talk. I'm free to you're talk. You're free to get all this out there. Do you yeah. think that, that the American people have won so far in what they have? You only have five seconds for this. I don't know that the American people have won. I think that we need to win in 24 to get the Americans back. We've got to get to the bottom of this kind of stuff, and we've got to stop this stuff. This is done for political purposes. And we all know that the Democrat Party, Democrats even in Congress, Chuck Schumer, a New Yorker, He's the majority leader in the Senate. He hates Donald Trump, and he was definitely part of encouraging at least this fraud case, which is fraud in itself, be brought against Donald Trump. It's like the difference between shooting a rifle, you know, one bullet comes out when you squeeze the trigger, or shooting a shotgun, and you have shotgun shells that are full of little bitty bullets, called BBs, you can shoot a rifle and hit one exact point on your target, and you know where it is going to go, right where you aim it. With a shotgun, you can get in the in the location kind of where you're pointing. You're not actually aiming. You're pointing in that direction and firing, hoping that some of those BBs strike the target. That's what's going on here. That's not the way the law works in any state and any federal court. Facts determine the outcomes, not opinions, political opinions especially. 
Now, here's something that I thought was really important that everybody would want to know about, relating some tales of holiday stress included a scar show and tell for Fox News host Jesse Waters after a kind of crazy encounter that he had with a dog and its owner. Jesse said, I could tell you she was a Democrat, dead giveaway. So here's what happened. Back from an extended weekend over the holiday that included his playing Mr. Mom, the host of Jesse Waters' primetime recounted a just a chance meeting that left his wife urging him to see a doctor. As it happened after a Thanksgiving break with shopping, in-laws, and one outdoor excursion gone wrong, that all the makings of a Steve Martin film, a return to the nature preserve, went sideways pretty quickly. According to Jesse, after 10 minutes alone in the outdoors, he said, this woman starts approaching me on the trail. She kind of bellows nervously, good morning, you know, like to test me, like who is this guy approaching me out in the woods? Jesse noted the woman's big dog as cause that he should be a little cautious. He described, quote, we're on a tight part of the trail. I noticed the dog's all wet, and she's like, okay, this is my dog, you know, kind of wet. He just swam in the pond. And Jesse said, I'm thinking, this is kind of crazy. You're letting your dog swim in a pond, 37 degrees in a nature preserve. That's my first clue. Second clue, woman's kind of struggling to hold the dog on the leash. So Jesse continued, the dog comes by. I'm trying to get back up, just give her a little room. Dog bites me twice. And he emphasized that as he held up his fingers, nipped my groin, and takes a chunk out of my hand. And he actually, on the camera, he was doing this on camera at Fox News, he zoomed in on that, on his hand. I never like to show pain. I never say ouch, he said, as he held up the hand with visible bite marks for the camera. He went on to jest that the situation would have been much different had his, the five co-host Janine Pirro been in his shoes. I mean, thank God she bit me. She didn't bite someone litigious like Judge Janine. She would have been tied up in a court for a year. So, explaining that both of the parties involved expressed concern for one another and that he hadn't been bleeding, Jesse went on to this deduction. I could tell she was a Democrat because when I pulled into the preserve in my car, there was a Subaru Outback, dead giveaway. Plus, she didn't recognize me. No Democrat watches Fox. After that, he added he'd merely washed it off with soap despite his wife and producer pressuring him to go to the doctor and get a tetanus shot. Waters concluded his monologue by saying, so that was my Thanksgiving. How was yours? The story came after a recent exchange on The Five where he explained he ended up getting rid of an adopted Bernadoodle named Duchess, a sibling to Judge Janine Pirro's own dog after a limited time without detailing the cause for why it didn't work out. He often spoke fondly of his mini poodle, Rookie, featured on his own social media account. So Jesse is still a dog lover, although uh, big dogs, I can't imagine he's going to be a little sketchy 
on that going forward. You know, we, we gave you the abortion statistics just a few moments ago. There's a fight for life and liberty in states all across the nation. In the state of California, we found out this morning the state has attacked a woman's right to choose life. So in the heart of California, a battle for life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth is unfolding. The attorney general out there, Rob Bonta's lawsuit against Heartbeat International is nothing but a legal skirmish. It's a clash of ideologies that threatens the very fabric of our values. So I'm going to tell you the specific story of Kayla and Serenity. In May of 2020, The war was entrenched in the grip of COVID. We all remember that, our pandemic. But the journey of a young woman named Kayla took a dramatic turn. Faced with an unexpected pregnancy and a relationship in turmoil, she contemplated and considered the unthinkable, an abortion. In the midst of her panic, Kayla initiated a chemical abortion, only be haunted by a moment of hesitation that still small voice. That voice, barely audible, guided her to reconsider. She was fueled by determination, so Kayla turned to Heartbeat International's abortion pill reversal website, and it connected her with compassionate healthcare pros who guided her through the reversal protocol, which ultimately saved her daughter Serenity's life. But as we celebrate stories of redemption like hers, a dark cloud looms over the state of California. That Attorney General Bonta, his lawsuit against Heartbeat International is to silence speech regarding abortion pill reversal. The suit alleges, quote, untrue and misleading representations. But this isn't just a legal dispute. It's an attempt to muzzle any advocates and withhold crucial information about life-saving alternatives. Bonta's actions under the guise of government oversight pose a direct threat to any American's values. It challenges principles of informed choices, true consent, and any right to life, values that resonate deeply across the nation. The urgency of this battle lies in connecting the dots between personal redemption stories like Kayla's and the broader fight for the unborn. If Bonta's lawsuit succeeds, the very information that guided Kayla to save her daughter Serenity's life could be have been forced to disappear. The fate of countless unborn lives are at stake, with the threat of being denied their chance at life if access to life-saving options, or silence. For some, Serenity, who's a symbol of hope and resilience, is a beacon for the countless unborn lives at risk. It's not just legal. It's a battle, but it's not a legal struggle. It's a fight for the essence of choice, the sanctity of life, and the preservation of American values. So in the middle of this legal assault, Heartbeat International, they're not backing down. They've teamed up with the Thomas More Society. The organization is preparing to counter Bonna's claims with evidence showcasing the safety and the efficacy of the abortion pill reversal. 
The fight for truth, choices, and the right to life requires a united front. And so everybody that is pro-life out in California, they are all in to get this information out there for people to understand and demand from their lawmakers in California, you got to take control of this and give her and any others like her the right to make choices. After all, isn't that what they're all about? They hate pro-lifers, but they love having pro-choice. Pro-choice cuts both ways, doesn't it? Well, maybe not in California. Hmm. That's deep. That's really deep. Let's move on. Everybody knows Tucker Carlson. Longtime pundit, nighttime show, the number one nighttime show at Fox News. Got fired for a lot of different reasons. Most of it had to do with the lawsuit filed against Fox News, and Tucker got caught up in it because to settle that disagreement, millions of dollars. To settle it all, Tucker getting canned at Fox was one of the one of the reasons that he was fired from there. Tucker is doing well. He always will. He's not changing his thoughts, his truth that he talks about. He's not changing any of it. But he came out and he warned you and I about something that we need to prepare ourselves for. And the first part of preparing ourselves for something is to get educated. Tucker's here right now to educate all of us on this matter. Politics is never the most important thing. The people around you are. Your family, your friends, your dogs. That's where joy comes from, not from elections. But still, politics do matter. They're not irrelevant. Nancy Pelosi's babblings do have an effect on your life. So what defined the politics? Well, lying did. This was the year of lying. The people in charge tell an awful lot of lies. That's what we learned. And we know this for sure because while they are avid and committed liars, they're not very good at it. Their lies are amateurish, obvious, pathetic, sad. And there's something kind of insulting about that. Don't take a leak on my boots and tell me it's raining, goes the old cowboy phrase. Don't tell me something we both know isn't true and expect me to believe it. When you do that, you assault my dignity. You diminish me. You treat me like a child. If you're going to tell me a lie, put some effort into it. Try something clever. Have pride of craftsmanship. Don't pull the same old dusty alibi off the shelf like a jar of expired spaghetti sauce and expect me to fall for it again. Oh, we can't tell you that, Mr. and Mrs. America. It's a matter of grave national security, but don't worry. Everything's totally fine. We're doing a great job. At this point, no living American still believes them and none should. But they keep doing it anyway. Clearly, they think we have brain damage. It's frustrating to watch, but today we've decided to be amused by it. That seemed like the more positive option, maybe the most positive available under the circumstances. So here, ladies and gentlemen, are our favorite lies. And honestly, that's also the pleasure in watching the Sam Bankman-Fried saga unfold. Bankman-Fried was this weird pudgy kid in a t-shirt who played video games during interviews, took a ton of pills, and could never quite explain the business model of his, quote, crypto exchange. (laughs) I mean, literally, from the first day, this guy was an utterly transparent scam artist. 
Your golden retriever could have smelled the fraud on this guy. It was that redolent. He stunk of it. But somehow the geniuses, the financial wizards at CNBC had no idea. They fell in love with Sam Bankman-Fried. They wanted to be Sam Bankman-Fried. They told us Sam Bankman-Fried was the new JP Morgan. These people are ridiculous. And that's the real lesson of Sam Bankman-Fried. And we're going to enjoy every second of it. Now, it's a little harder to enjoy what's happening to the rest of the economy, inflation especially. Inflation is one of those economic phenomena you don't need to be an MIT professor to identify. Has the price of things you buy every week gone up a lot? Oh, it has? Okay, you've got inflation. Inflation is demonstrable. Anyone who claims otherwise is lying. And everybody knows that. And that's why even most politicians, people who will lie about anything, don't bother to lie about inflation. It's just too easy to catch them. But some still persist in lying about it. They just enjoy the experience of lying. It makes them feel alive. Take a look at these numbers, folks. Inflation is skyrocketing and your hard-earned money is losing its value faster than ever before. Gas prices are through the roof, grocery bills are climbing, and housing costs are becoming unaffordable for millions of Americans. Yet, some politicians want you to believe that this is just a temporary blip, a minor inconvenience. Well, I'm here to tell you that it's not. It's a crisis and it's hurting American families. You've heard them say it, right? Inflation is transitory, they claim. It's just a natural consequence of a recovering economy. But that's not the whole truth. The policies implemented by our politicians are directly contributing to this inflationary nightmare. Massive government spending, unchecked monetary stimulus, and reckless fiscal policies have created the perfect storm for rising prices. And who suffers the most? Average Americans like you. I've talked to people all across this country and they're worried. They're worried about how they're going to afford basic necessities, how they're going to provide for their families, and how they're going to plan for the future. And what do our politicians do? They downplay the situation, pretend like everything's fine, and continue pushing their agenda without addressing the real concerns of the American people. It's time for honesty, America. It's time for our elected officials to stop lying to us and start taking responsibility for their actions. We need leaders who will make tough decisions, cut unnecessary spending, and prioritize the well-being of American citizens over partisan politics. We deserve better, and it's time to demand accountability from those who are supposed to represent us. So, the next time a politician tells you that inflation is transitory or not a big deal, remember this moment. Remember the truth. And let's work together to hold them accountable and ensure a better future for all Americans. Oh, we're told that all the time. We just need to wake up and tell them, push back. We don't believe this. It's real. And it's horrible. And we need for those that are responsible for making the choices for us in legislation. We need them to step up. And if they don't, we've got to hold them accountable. How do we do that? Vote them out of office. Our good buddy from South Louisiana, Senator John Kennedy, he was gobsmacked at a comment that a witness made during a hearing yesterday. Senate Judiciary Committee held a hearing on the gun violence epidemic of public health crisis during which Kennedy pressed Dr. Franklin N. Kosi Gay. Other witnesses who called for more gun control legislation also testified. The Biden administration created a White House Office of Gun Violence Prevention back in September 
as it had called for renewing a ban on certain automatic firearms in the wake of mass shootings in Nashville, a bank in Louisville, an outlet mall in Allen, Texas, a bowling alley in Lewiston, Maine earlier this year. Kennedy said this to Kosi Gay, you said no one should be judged by the worst thing they've done in their lives. If one of these young doctors sitting behind you, God forbid, walks out on the streets of Washington, D.C. and is raped and sodomized, you don't think the rapist should be judged? That's a fair question. Kosi Gay said this in response, I don't think it should be terminal. It shouldn't be for the rest of their lives. Kennedy previously pressed another witness, Dr. Megan Ranney, dean of the Yale School of Public Health, over failures to enforce laws currently on the books, pointing to a Philadelphia DA Lynn Krashner's refusal to prosecute 47% of illegal gun possession cases. You think we should forgive them and not give them any punishment, Kennedy asked? You think nobody is responsible for their actions? I believe in responsibility, but I believe in forgiveness, Kosi Gay said. Senators started to thank Democrat Senator Dick Durbin of Illinois, chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, before he reacted to Kosi Gay's response. Wow, Kennedy said. Kosi Gay, the director of violence recovery program at University of Chicago Medicine's Urban Health Initiative, since 2021, according to the University of Chicago website, called for so-called hospital-based violence intervention programs in his written testimony. I don't know about you, but in the context of what was back and forth said yesterday in that hearing, you like the idea of these people being in these kind of very high-level, very important uh, levels of the jobs they're doing. Some are part of not-profits, but some are part of profit entities. Some are part of governments. Basically, Kosi Gay and others of the same ilk, what they're doing is saying, ah, forget about the law. Forget about the ramifications of the actions that are taken by these people. I mean, what Kennedy led with in that question and answer thing was if one of these young doctors, they walked out and raped or sodomized somebody, forget about what the law says the penalty should be. Don't even think about that. We're going to give everybody another chance, no matter what the law says about what they did. Let's just give them a pass. Forgive and forget. Well, you can forgive, you never forget, and sometimes that doubles down and creates even bigger problems. Hey, folks, that's the day. Thank you for being here. We'll be back tomorrow morning at TNN Live, 9 to 11. We'll see you then.
They let me know you were gone Suzanne's plans we made put an end to you Walked out this morning And I wrote down the song Just can't remember who to send me to I've seen fire and I've seen rain I've seen sunny days Thought they never end I've seen lonely times And could not find a friend But I always thought I'd see you again Took down on me, Jesus. You gotta help me to make a stand. Just gotta see me through another day. My body's aching, but my time is at hand. I won't make it any other. Sunny days, thought they never end. I've seen lonely times, and I could not find a friend. But I always thought I'd see you again. So I've been walking my mind to an easy time. Back turned towards the sun Lord knows the cold wind blows Like to turn your head around Hours, hours of time on the telephone line Talking about things to come Sweet dreams and flying machines And pieces on the ground Sunny days, thought they never end. I've seen lonely times, but I could not find a friend. But I always thought I'd see somehow one more time again. Thought I'd see you one more time again. Just a few things that come in my way this time around. Thought I'd see you, thought I'd see you fire and rain. Thought I'd see you just one more time.